Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Standard Lithium. We spoke with Robert Mintak, the CEO, and also um, gets a mention here, Dr. Andy Robertson, because we said we would. Um, interesting story. If you want to hear our opinion on uh, the conversation today, their plans for the future and how they move forward, and of course the company itself, you can get that at cruxinvestor.com com forward slash club where you can also find detailed company reports there is commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies there are training videos there are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a bit of time and a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice friendly environment so do go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club robert how are you doing sir very good thank you for including me thank you very much no, no, welcome, welcome aboard. We've not met, we've not uh, heard the story for, uh, before, so I'm quite excited about this one. What have you got on your head? Uh, the state colors of Arkansas. I am actually based in Vancouver, Canada, on the West Coast, but behind me, that's our project on the green screen in El Dorado. And I'm always trying to brand awareness. So these are the state colors of Arkansas, camo. So I am a proxy ambassador to the town of El Dorado. Right. Usually you got the El Dorado backdrop there. Pronounced El Dorado when you're in Arkansas. Rhymes with tornado. You can see that sign of ground town okay. to remind you. Wow. Okay. I, I, I won't make that mistake. Not with everyone wearing camo. Is it, is it are we okay. hunt, hunting, shooting, and fishing? Or what happens in Arkansas? All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fried chicken, fried catfish, fried green tomatoes, fried deep fried pickles, uh, fried okra. Yeah. I've, I've, I've developed a taste for it. I... <laughs> Very well put. I kind of, some of that sounds quite appealing to me, actually. It is right. Well, look, um, I, and are you well in Vancouver? Life, life, good. Able to do business as we, yeah, as we can be. Uh, I'm in the office. I come in every day to escape the uh, animals and children at home. But uh, I think we're doing probably as good as any of the Western countries are right now. Hoping to travel again soon. Okay. It's, it's got it's got that bad, has it? Okay, well, like, why don't we kick off? Give us that one minute overview of your story, and I'll pick it up from there. Yeah, Standard Lithium. We are one of the North American lithium developers. Uh, we're one of the more advanced ones. We're not really a resource company. Technology is our key. We're uh, extractive and process technologies, and uh, the key on our project is been focusing on de-risking, so advancing it methodically, doing as you know step by step, and to hopefully bring the project into production using a direct extraction process that we've been built sort of bespoke for our project. South Arkansas, remember that as a jurisdiction for the lithium business. Okay, fantastic. Okay, um, I, I think that's an important point to make that you would like to be seen as not a miner, not a lithium company, but as a technology business in a way. So what you better kick off and then explain what direct lithium uh, extraction is. Yeah, so we are a publicly traded company in Canada, so we fall under the resource reporting, which is the way most investors and analysts look at companies. But what the approach that we've taken has been to find projects, work backwards. How do you recover the lithium? How do you go into production? All projects require, and Brian projects are what we're focused on, require a bespoke flow sheet, and direct lithium extraction is the process of removing lithium ions from brine without the use of evaporation ponds. So uh, most of the world's brine projects 
use evaporation ponds with the exception of Livent in Argentina that use a hybrid direct extraction process. Direct extraction takes brine, runs it through a selective extraction process, be an ion exchange or solvent extraction, removes the lithium ions, you go through polishing and you produce a lithium chloride at the end of it. The uh, challenge on it is there haven't been, but the brine space is very, you know, four producers basically on the planet. Two of them in the Atacama using solar evaporation, Livent using a variation of extraction in Argentina and Oracobre using evaporation. Uh, so there, there's not a lot of uh, places you can point to for direct extraction. But in South Arkansas, there's a massive brine resource. It is globally significant for the production of bromine, 60 years of production of bromine in South Arkansas using brine. 10 billion gallons annually produced. The brine is pumped to the surface, bromine extracted, pumped into the aquifer that it comes from every day. 10 billion gallons a year, I should say, for almost 60 years now. That brine has been well understood, the chemistry on it, and it's been understood to contain economically recoverable values of lithium. So in 1978, Dow Chemical patented the first direct extraction process Using Arkansas brine, a variation of that process is what Livent uses in Argentina today. So direct extraction isn't revolutionary in uh, concept. It's nothing that we you know, came up with a eureka moment, but it is required for brine with lithium in it where you can't have the meteorological or the uh, geographic conditions to use solar evaporation. I'm not gonna argue that one is better than the other. When you look at it from the project aspect, the project drives the flow sheet and the process. So direct extraction is required in Arkansas. And that is now moved from that 1978 patent that Dow had uh, filed through 40 years of work at universities and all sorts of institutions and global uh, chemical companies to a point where it's, I would say, ready for prime time to be applied at certain projects. It's not perfect for every project. It may work at every project, but the economics may not work. But direct extraction in a nutshell is a way to you know, recover high purity lithium compounds in a scalable economic way to bring projects online. Right, okay. And you've, you've got your own proprietary technology, which is going to extract lithium from your bromine, which is owned by your partner, Lanxus. Is that right? Yeah. So the initial build out, just, just I'll give you a sort of a, our proprietary process, we built backwards for the project. We didn't develop our process. It's called Lister, Lithium Stirred Tank Reactor. It's not named after the Red Dwarf character, but we have been asked that from a few of our UK uh, investors. Uh, lithium stirred tank reactor. We built the process backwards. So we got access to brine at the project by piggybacking off of the existing brine operations that use, are used for the production of bromine. So the millions of dollars that would typically go into the ground to develop a resource and do pump tests and that we could put into the process. We could take tens of thousands of liters of brine from Arkansas back to our research facility in Canada, tested a number of I wouldn't call them off the shelf, but vendor uh, developed 
processes that are, be, are being marketed as direct extraction and other ones that we tested just based on publicly available data. But we tailored a process for the project. So lithium projects have a challenge when they're looked at in a really superficial way. There's a sort of a fallacy of false equivalence done that brine is cheaper than hard rock. Uh, you have to use evaporation ponds. This is the flow sheet you have to follow. Each project is specific. So the chemistry is different, but not only is the chemistry different, the brine temperatures are different. The access to water, the power costs of running a project, access to chemical reagents are different for each project. So you really have to tailor the process for the project. And that was the logic we used in developing the Lister process. We had access to unlimited amounts of brine. We knew the chemical reagents that were already permitted to be able to be used at the projects we're working at. So we wouldn't be working with anything that would require you know, extensive permitting or regulatory reviews. We knew the power costs. We knew we had access to water. So we knew all of those aspects and we knew that we could re-inject the brine after the brine was processed. So one of the challenges is when you're using direct extraction and it, you know, the argument around applying it a lot of the time is to manage water consumption because you're in evaporation, you're put, you know, evaporating millions of gallons a day into the atmosphere of not potable water, but brine, but that can affect the fresh water coming in from the margins on aquifers. But you need to put that brine after you've stripped the lithium out of it back somewhere. And pumping brine is one aspect, but putting it back in the ground is much harder. More energy costs, and you have to put it back someplace where you're not going to dilute your resource. So in South Arkansas, they've been doing this for 60 years now. So they know how to handle brine. The regulatory environment's there. The resource is a limestone aquifer. You can pump and you can re-inject. So those things you have to understand before you decide to use direct extraction on a project. That's why we chose Arkansas. All that data was publicly available. So the process we developed, we took from bench scale to pilot. So now the demonstration plant you see behind me there by putting all the capital that we would have spent developing a resource into the tailored process, the Lister process. And it's working in the real world conditions now taking lithium from that bromine wastewater or bro the water after the bromine has uh, been removed before it goes back into the aquifer. So it's the easiest, fastest way to get into production. It's the best place on the planet to do direct extraction. So yeah. we're looking at your um, pilot plant behind you, uh, behind your right shoulder, and the, the area behind you on your left shoulder is a rather large, vast area. That's your partner Langsus, right? So talk to me about this, because the, the deal is that it's their bromine, the, the bromine that they, ha they have been producing as a, what, a, wa a waste product, a byproduct of whatever they're doing. Is that right? Yeah, so South Arkansas is the world's second largest producer of bromine. It's produced from brine. So Albemarle, world's biggest lithium producer is in South Arkansas. They were in the bromine business before lithium. And Lanxus, Lanxus bought a company called Chemtura in 2017 to get in the bromine business. They have three of those plants behind me there that operate five plus billion gallons of brine produced annually, bromine extracted and the brine goes back into the ground. So our business plan and the project development is to initially 
extract lithium from their tail brine, which is the waste brine. It's called tail brine. In Got it. Sorry. So right. Thanks for the surface, They strip the bromine out. They pump it all back into the ground. Regulatory wise, it's very well established. The bromine extraction process doesn't touch the lithium, but we can get up and running commercially by piggybacking off of that without drilling a single well, putting in any extensive pipelines other than connectors, permits in place, 20,000 tons. So that's straightforward, cleanest path to get into production. As you've developed this project, it'll be built in stages. So responsible deployment of capital. The operations will be run by Lanxis. So they're de-risking for developers, you know, building a resource and get, getting to a place where you've got permits is one thing and you've got the capital to build it's another. Uh, you know, getting it up and running and operating it day after, you know, day by day to day, producing the same material every day. That's a big ask for a developer to say that they can do that you know, beyond getting a project permitted and built. Lanxis runs 60 chemical plants around the world. They'll be operating the plants. So we'll get up and running. The trajectory that we have in our business strategy is to get up and running off the tail brine and then decouple from the bromine business because the extractive process doesn't require the bromine to be removed. The brine flow in Arkansas that we're going to be picking, that we'll be pulling lithium out of currently is just to meet bromine contracts. You can pump significant more volumes of brine than the bromine industry needs. You can enter areas where they've depleted the bromine, but no one's touched the lithium. Wells are still in the ground. Pipeline right-of-ways are still in place. The PEA that we put out in 2019, which is the report that we can point to when people ask about production and operating and capital costs, only considers the lowest hanging fruit, which is that existing brine flow. But you can, as you decouple from the bromine business, go to areas where lithium values are optimized over bromine, project economics get better. The project can be multiples of the tail brine and can be built responsibly over decades to address demand. And you can produce not just lithium chloride, we can go from lithium chloride, or sorry, lithium carbonate. We can go from lithium chloride to carbonate, lithium chloride to carbonate to hydroxide, lithium chloride directly to hydroxide, and at some stage also go to lithium metal because you're in the Gulf Coast of the United States. You've got access to cheap power, five cents a kilowatt. Water is plentiful, trained workers, and all of the chemical reagents are either made in the same zip code, the same zip code, 20 minute drive from the project, the acids and bases and other chemicals required are available. We're not trucking them across the planet. So you've got a project that can be built responsibly, stage development, address today's needs, tomorrow's and a decades later. I get production. it, I get it. Just indulge me for a second because I'm trying, you're skipping towards the future and, and looking at the brand yeah, new sorry. world, okay? I get excited. I, I, sure, <laughs> and every reason to be, but I, what I'm trying to get it, I want to try and understand how smart you've been because, I'm, and I started to stick, keep going about this Langstas relationship because yeah. uh, it's, it's their tailings brine, which you are processing to extract lithium from with your DLE process. There's also something called uh, crystallization, which I do want to talk about in a second, but um, it's their land that you've built the plant on there. So th there's a relationship. Yeah, I understand that you funded that yourself. Uh, they have not funded you uh, in terms of the, the build component, but what is what are the terms going forward lo lo looking like in terms of, what are, is there a JV coming up? What does that look like? What are the terms? Yeah, that's the key for the commercialization. 
So what we bring to this partnership is the intellectual property and all of the investment to date on the extraction technology. So gone from bench pilot and now operating this demonstration plant, we're responsible for all, all costs, 24 hours a day operation, all staff, uh, all of that. We also bring 30,000 gross acres of undeveloped leases in Arkansas, about 40 miles west of this plant. So we bring IP, cash that we've invested in it, and 30,000 acres of undeveloped leases. Lanxis is bringing 150,000 acres of permitted leases, 5 billion gallons of current brine flow, three chemical plants that are operating all of the infrastructure, everything they bought when they bought Chemtura. They're also bringing, they'll be operating the commercial plants when they're up and running. They've also will be bringing initial project finance. So we don't have to go back to the market to bring project finance. And they will also take initial offtake, 100% of the initial offtake. So those are the de-risk aspects as well that are part of our business plan. The nature of the joint venture because of the uh, value of everything they're bringing and what we're bringing is initially, and this is the initial as said in our general term sheet, 70% uh, held by Lanxis, 30% held by Standard Lithium with options for Standard Lithium to incrementally grow our ownership to 40%. So what we're bringing is skills on process, uh, bringing it to a commercialization stage, and then Lanxis takes on the heavy lifting and doing the actual build and operations while we look at further opportunities for investors and then look further to expand the opportunity because the resource even it's 180,000 acres right now, if you consider their 50, 150,000 acres of permitted operations and our 30,000 acres of uh, say blue sky, the resource in South Arkansas isn't limited to that. It extends from central Texas all the way to Florida. So that's a distance from London to Rome. I get it. So you, we'll be looking to, to grow investor value. For sure. Value. For sure. Yeah. Big, big equivalent of big resource if you're a mining company, yeah. right? You've you got a lot of potential, yeah. right? But let's stick with the plan. So this, when does the, what are the conditions under which the 70-30 relationship gets formalized? What do you need to do? What do they need to do? Yeah, so we're getting close to uh, sort of final uh, two boxes to be ticked. So the... Uh, proof of concept on the technology. Uh, we announced just this last week that we had produced a battery quality lithium carbonate from the lithium chloride that we are producing at the plant. So that's going a long way to their Lanxis's acceptance of proof of concept. That is one key aspect. That data from that needs to meet the assumptions in our economic model. And we have to enter into the mutually agreed upon joint venture documents uh, with Lanxis. Right. So we're going through those negotiations now. We're both incentivized to get this done sooner than later. COVID obviously has played a role in this. We hope to have it all done before the end of the year. We are targeting to have everything done by Q3 of 2020. But we're meet there based in Cologne. We're on the west coast of North America. We meet regularly going through these. We're both pushing this as fast as we can. Okay, okay. And, and you said it goes a long way to the proof of concept. Are, are there known factors or this, is it just a kind of mutual it's, understanding? I mean, how, how well, they have, firm is this? I can't go, I can't go into the their uh, data points. Um, we're delivering on all the things that we have in our boxes. 
It's their acceptance of those uh, data points. We are running two conversion processes. So the plant is running, it's producing lithium chloride. We ship 20,000 liters off in September to be converted to lithium carbonate. We have our own crystallization technology called SIFT, Selective Ion Filtration Technology, running a pilot plant in Vancouver. Uh, the purpose of that technology is to produce next generation battery quality lithium carbonate. Not for today's market, but 3.9 and higher purity lithium carbonate. The project doesn't rely on that to be successful. We will initial, the initial concept is to use a classic OEM provided lithium carbonation plant. We have tasked a company in Illinois. I won't mention them because I need to get their approval, but if you Google uh, water treatment and carbonation in Illinois, you'll come up with their name. They're running uh, lithium chloride produced at the plant in Arkansas through a classic carbonation circuit. That data we're hoping to have at the end of the year. That'll go into the also the um, sort of the, the decision making. Uh, we're confident on everything being delivered on that side. Uh, the other aspect is a successful agreement that's mutually beneficial for both parties, and we're both aligned to make that happen. Right. Okay. And so, and the PEA is a big part of this as well, right? You, 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 you I mean, we had a look at the PEA. You're basing that on whatever thirteen and a half, fourteen thousand pricing, which obviously that's not quite there at the moment, but does that matter? Because I think you've said publicly, you don't need any further studies to be done because of the setup. Yeah, yeah um, I wouldn't say we don't need them. We don't need them to be published. So other than what regulatory requirements are, the data is all being compiled. So the resource report in the PEA we put out hopefully the regulatory agencies listening in don't take offense to this, but it's, I would consider bulletproof on the Lanxis property because as opposed to a typical brine project where you're pumping for a couple of weeks, if you're doing a long pumping test, this data was from production wells. So wells, some of them have been in place for 15 years, running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and data going back five decades on the resource. So thousands of core samples and extremely robust hydrogeological model. So the resource model in the in a PFS or PEA is, it's, I would say bulletproof. The data we're using for the, if you, we'll call it a, a PFS that we're keeping internally is from an operating demonstration plant that's running at 50 gallons per minute, 24 hours a day. What the plant you see behind me there, everything comes into it is metered. So brine coming in, steam, gas, acids, bases, water, electricity is measured granularly going into our, our data system. So it's not running a pilot plant for two weeks in a sea can pouring buckets of brine into a tank and then testing it out. It's incredibly robust. So that data is all being analyzed by our engineers and our partners engineers, and it's giving us the confidence that will make the final investment decision, which we're targeting for early, I mean, COVID, of course, is a, is a challenge, but early, mid next year. So that will be the kickoff. And outside of regulatory requirements for filing that information, we don't need to file it. We don't need to publish that. So when people point and say, well, you're not far along compared, I never want to throw shade on other companies. This industry needs to have lots of projects built to, do, to, to meet the EV demand. And it does have a history of just saying we're better than you. And that, that you know, fallacy of false equivalence about this project's high grade. 
this project's a hard rock. It's, you know, it's simple and vanilla. These are all the problems. These need to be built, but we'll only publish that data if the regulatory requirements, as long as Lanx is, is happy with them, if they make a final investment decision, you know it's going to be a, a favorable economics. Yeah. So, well, that's a very important point because Lanxus are 100% off taker. They're going to have to agree a price with you at which they're prepared to pay for this. So given, given they're going to be a 70% uh, owner of the new uh, venture, um, do they set the price? Do you? How does that work? Um, I can't go into details outside of what's already published in our general term sheet. Uh, but as considered, it is uh, it will use a market price. So there is no market price for lithium, as everyone knows. There's the LME and there's benchmark minerals and such. That is part of the joint venture discussions we're having with them. But um, seems to suggest what, like thirteen fifty, thirteen. Oh, that yeah, that's uh -huh. what was used in the PEA. Yeah, so that was used. So, but that will it'll be based on whatever the current. There's it's not a take or pay type. Uh, right agreement it's contract sales and it the key on this is it's not required to pre-sell at a certain price the project will be built and then production will come online it'll be initially uh Lanxus will take the offtake likely and this is in their public documents uh, on their presentations they'll convert it into a higher value lithium material lipf6 for the market so uh, an electrolyte so that's where the carbonate uh, decision was made, produce carbonate, it'll be converted to LIPF6 is the way it's considered now, and that's all publicly available. But hydroxide and lithium metal will also be in the overall project development. But the, the price that was in there was for the PEA, and you had to use a model and that needed to be reported. But uh, I completely understand it's a arm-waving exercise when uh, companies say, this is the price we have today. And lithium today is, you know, some people say 6,000, some people say 11,000. It's, I tried when I get, you know, pressed on that, we're not in production today. We're making the project the most best economics and the best place to build a project. Demand will be there. It will be a successful, profitable project, regardless of the discount that we see today. Right. Okay. It, yeah. Because obviously the NPV and the, the current PA is, is quite yeah. high as a consequence. So funding, um, you've had to fund your own way so far, but when um, Langsus come in, they will have to also contribute proportionately one, one guesses. So uh, an investment decision will be made jointly with, by the new joint venture. Are you using Lanxus's balance sheet to get, you know, to underwrite the any any uh, fundraising, or are you just going to equity markets? I mean, how, what does this look like? What do you imagine? Uh, well, I can't speak on Lanxus's behalf, obviously, and we are putting all of the agreements in place for the joint venture. It'll be five agreements: the joint venture management agreement of the partnership, the finance agreement, an off-take agreement, which will address the uh, the pricing question contribution agreement because the 70-30 nature, we have the incremental option to go to 40%. And then the site service agreement because they're gonna be operating the plant. So we're working through all of those documents through virtual meetings across you know, a 10 hour time zone difference between everyone. And we're all incentivized to get that done. We'll be responsible for our portion of the engineering work pre the commercial kickoff. So all the feed work, all of that aspect, as soon as we sign the JV, Right now we're responsible for 100%. It'll be pro rata at that point. And then the funding, which will be determined by the 
joint venture documents will come from parent co either through a loan facility or something else to the JV. For the initial build, the agreements will dictate how long into the future that funding is before the JV entity needs to be self-sustaining. Okay, and that option to go from 30% to 40%, is that pre-funding? Are there conditions that you could meet pre-funding or is this a post-funding option? It's post the JV signing. Right, okay. So yeah, I can't go into further details obviously because we haven't announced anything publicly on that, but it would be after the signing of the JV. We It's set right now at 70-30 and then the contribution agreement, which dictate with the language as part of those agreements will put the mechanisms in place for us to move that needle. Right. So these would be things that you could affect before signing the JV, but on signing the JV, you will be credited with having delivered those components. No, after signing of the JV. No, and I know you'd be attributed it, but when, when would the, the deliverables, the things that you are being measured by be done? After the signing of the JV. Okay, got it. Okay, fine. Yeah. Just want to be yeah. just want to be clear on yeah. that one. And we were specific on that because all of the capital costs, and there there will be some capital costs, obviously, when you increase your value, we're putting towards the project execution. Why try and own something before you even know it's going to be a you're going to have something to own? So okay, make capital is get to that point that you kicked off final investment decision, and then deploy capital to increase your ownership. So obviously, currently you're a public vehicle. 200 says 275 million market cap today. Um, Canadian, yeah. Absolutely, Canadian. Um, You've got a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company uh, you're going to be partnering with, so good good strategic to be involved with. Um, What does the new vehicle look like? Is it a, it's a brand brand new vehicle? I assume assume public. Assume. Uh, No, it'll be a, the company that we form with Lanxis? Yeah. It'll be a partnership, a private uh, US uh, partnership. Fantastic. Okay. And yeah. okay. Fantastic. And and what would and how do you go about uh, working out what you think you're going to be valuing that out on day one? Well, that um, will be based on aspects. I mean, the, like, again, I need to be careful because of securities regulatory uh, questions and cross-border tax implications. So probably safe is not to answer that uh, based on because IP contributions and other aspects, cross-border aspects. So that's part of the all of the work we've been doing for the last five months uh, on the mechanics of forming that joint venture. Okay. I love a mystery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll, as we, upon the signing of it, it'll all be um, as much as required to be filed. But as, as it is now, we bring IP, Lanxis is bringing, and, and the acreage that we have, Lanxis is bringing their current operations, and the value proposition will be based on how we uh, monetize those into the joint venture, and then grow the value of that joint venture through the staged build-out and the resource expansion. So there are um, well above my pay grade on how you value that, on, uh, that I can get granular or even no macro on that right now. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's intriguing. Um, something we were trying to work out, but couldn't. Um, okay, and do you, how much money have you got today? Do you need to raise some capital between now and then? Um, yeah, so we raised $12 million last February uh, on an oversubscribed private placement. Uh, we have been 
there's warrants that were attached to that at a dollar. And a year previously, we did a financing, there's warrants at a dollar 30, but 11 million of those warrants out right now, they're getting exercised almost on a daily basis that have been funding us. Uh, we did file a short form prospectus two days ago, okay. uh, bullet pointed, so it didn't have a total on it. So I can't tell you what that is at the moment. More mystery. Uh, be, yeah, well, what a, the strategy we've had, we've been protecting the, the dilution. So we've only raised money as required. We run a very lean company. So I take every investor's call. I don't have an investor relations firm. They have my phone number on the website. I write the code for the website. I do the presentations and our technical team is very lean as well. But we're moving now to that point of graduating from, you know, moving a uh, project to getting this joint venture signed, which requires us to bring in some heavy hitters on cross-border illegal and forming the most effective joint venture, uh, IP protection, and then going into these engineering drawings. So that's the purpose of this uh, short form prospectus that we filed and to bring in more, because uh, we've ticked a lot of the development boxes off now. The questions we had when we spoke to institutions were, yeah, we've heard this direct lithium extraction story so many times, prove that it works and we'll talk to you. Get it up and running. It sounds amazing. The project looks amazing on paper, but show us something in the real world. So those conversations are finally inbound as opposed to me making calls and not getting returns, uh, emails or phone calls. So our, our target is to bring in institutional investors on this uh, offering and put us in a position where we don't have, it'll be, we're hoping this is last money in, uh, all we need to, before revenue, so. Okay, okay. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see where the market uh, plays out for carbonate versus hydroxide. Obviously we saw Tesla do their Piedmont deal with, um, uh, crikey, when was that? Two months ago, about two months ago? Yeah, so I, again, um, again, not throwing shade, our strategy has been walk before you run. So the obvious to go from chloride to carbonate is the least risky. So it's, it can be done through a classic carbonation uh, operation with a, a established OEM. The carbonate we can produce can be converted to lithium hexafluorophosphate, LIPF6, by our partners to go into electrolytes, get the, get the project up and running commercially, then run a hydroxide circuit. So show, show what you can do and either run a carbonate liming circuit, $1,300, $1,400 a ton charge on top, or an electrochemical cell in and run chloride, lithium chloride directly to hydroxide. You can do that in Arkansas. The challenge for the industry when you do that is when you do conversion from chloride to hydroxide with electrochemical cell, you produce large amounts of chlorine gas. So you don't want to do that in most locations. Chlorine is the main reagent for the production of bromine. So once we get carbonate up, we'll try two, two different tracks on hydroxide. If an electrochemical cell works, and we produce chlorine, that's gonna drive down their reagent costs for the bromine business. So we will do a hydroxide at the appropriate time. And then we'll look at lithium metal further down the road because energy costs are key on going from lithium chloride to lithium metal. It's five cents a kilowatt in Arkansas for electricity. Have you done, so, have you done, have you done these things before? One separate time for sure. So again, is that yeah. theory or is, have you actually been doing it? No, we haven't done them yet. Right. So they're okay. on the, Use of proceeds, we'll do a hydroxide pilot plant from this raise coming up. So, but after we've established final investment decision, get up and running. So the industry has seen spectacular failures. 
So too much money going in, too much hubris. So the first project, the first stage of development in Arkansas is uh, in the PEA, if, if it follows the PEA's model, will be around $200 million capex. So not a lot for the industry when you're seeing $500 million for a brine project generally to get into production. Uh, it'll be built in stages and then add technology as the industry requires it. So if we can sell all of the carbonate and then do a hydroxide circuit to address demand, put that in place. So again, walk before you run and then look at other chemistries. South Arkansas is uniquely positioned as is most of the South, Southern United States because you have the Gulf Coast to bring an entire battery ecosystem there. So not exporting carbonate, you can make LFP in Arkansas. You can make NMC in, this, in, in the United States because you have access to all of those elements, a trained workforce and distribution to global markets. And you have all obviously the change in the political dynamics and everything being you know, localized supply, which COVID sort of really hit the nail on the head with, but ESG is a main aspect of that. So you can drive the ESG aspect of that production and you can also address, which is sort of a left a wide open playing field from the majors in North America, US auto production is governed by the US, Mexico, Canada free trade agreement. And they address uh, batteries in that 75% of all materials need to be domestically sourced or pay a tariff on them. So the development of a lithium chemical industry, the majors have left that off the table and they're letting all the juniors and the developers look at that opportunity. Yeah, we, we spoke to the government about that, actually. But let me come back to uh, Walk Before You Can Run for you, because on, on the PEA, you're talking about a 200 million market, uh, 200 million capex. It's not a lot of money in the scheme of things. But you also did that at 1350 um, uh, carbonate levels, which it isn't yeah. today. So I, I guess with Langsys, you maybe have a few more options on the table in terms of, you know, again, balance sheet or debt, et cetera, there. But do you... Have you rethought about the scale at which you start this thing? Because you're talking about 20,000 tons all bit by 2026, albeit on three stages. So do you scale it down a bit because um, carbonate prices are lower at the moment? Or do you say, do you know what? It's going to be fine. Yeah, so transparent answers always. So that'll be a decision Lanxis will make because they'll be the offtake initially and they'll be operating the plants. So not going to try and pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Um, I do feel quite confident that we are going to see north of $10,000 a ton for battery quality lithium carbonate in two years, just because of the hockey stick moment that's coming with every announcement of battery factories being built and no production. And I don't want to throw shade again, but it's sort of a race to the basement with this run to hydroxide. So carbonate generally coming from Brian projects, most of it's directed to Asia, not being directed domestically or into Europe. LIPF6 requires carbonate, so going into a electrolyte is a great smart decision to make instead of trying to sell a commodity into you know, a two commodity industry. So that track, but I'm very confident and you can speak to you know, naysayers against obviously, but north of $10,000 a ton for battery quality lithium carbonate, ESG profile, very positive. Our OPEX will be in the lowest quartile on the planet and we will get better and better on the OPEX as we decouple from the bromine business and go to lithium preferred brine over the bromine preferred brine. So we'll be able to push the OPEX down. So we'll be profitable regardless. Okay. So, so when do shareholders make money? Well, 
it depends what your exit strategy is. So I'm long. My, my portfolio is heavily weighted to standard lithium. I think if you look at the uh, every at our um, trading report, you'll see we buy stock, we don't sell it. So and we're uh, again the PEA only considers the tail brine. The opportunity, if you just get a calculator out and look at the scale of it, it's a multiple of that, and it's in the best place outside of certain regions in China where the chemical industry is established to build a fully integrated chemical in lithium chemical business where you can make battery quality materials. The United States is great for that, but most of the projects are on BLM ground. And not to run shade again, but they still have to go through that permitting process. If you're in the Western United States, you're going to be struggling with water. You got to bring in workers. They treat, they train brine handling in the town of El Dorado at at the at South Arkansas College. They got three uh, brine operations that Lanxus has, two that Albemarle has. Albemarle ran a pilot plant for lithium extraction in 2011. They know there's lithium in Arkansas. They, two months ago, the CEO of Albemarle announced that they're working with the Department of Energy on, on uh, extraction processes that they might use in Arkansas. So the did, opportunity- Did they make it work? Have they made it work yet? In 2011, they announced they had a working pilot plant. They didn't do anything with it. They bought uh, Rockwood. They got the best assets in the planet in green bushes and in the Atacama. So why would you go back and start that? But they are looking at it now. It was, and that's public information. It was on a news release they put out at the either end of September or early October. So it's the best place in the Western hemisphere anywhere to build a chemical plant for battery quality lithium chemicals of the Gulf Coast of the United States. Okay. You're you're a chem, what, what are you? You're, I'm trying to work out what type of company you are. Chem, chemical material minerals technology technology. We're a technology company. Yeah, Lanx is a chemical company. But we you're going to call yourself technology. We make cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we make cool scalable tools that can be taken to commercial production. We're thinking a couple of years ahead as well, and we're not deluding ourselves trying to solve the world's problems. Just solve one problem at a time. Brilliant. Robert, thank you so much for running through that. We've been dying to get you on. Finally, it's happened. Yeah, no, thank uh, you. Again, I didn't mean to, to you know, cover up anything or hide anything. It's just there's you know, certain things that you know, their agreements aren't yeah. are, are being worked through. And uh, they'll, details will be further announced. And just you know, the market is to when you're a, in a resource sector to talk about a project that doesn't fit, it's a square peg in a round hole. But we've taken it from concept in 2017 to now operating the plant behind you. Nobody's worked that fast. And usual development cycle on a project, seven, 10 years. If we get these next two milestones out of the way, we could kick off commercial development as early as next year. So that's light speed compared to where the industry's at. It certainly is, and the market too. So look, I do, like I said, I do appreciate you coming on and um, being open with us and sharing your story. Stay in touch. Sounds like some good stuff yeah. coming up real soon. Um, you know, once you get those I, developments I can take going. You on a, yeah, I can take you on a virtual tour of the uh, plant. We've got that because I can't fly you down there right now. So you can actually walk through it. And I have a suggested menu that we can have as well, so we can enjoy the local cuisine. So the fried chicken, obviously, or fried catfish, and we can we can do a virtual tour of South Arkansas. 
Fantastic. I mean, we, we might, I might struggle to get that at Waitrose, but we, we could always give it a go. Um, <laughs> I, I can send you some recipes. They're all on YouTube as well. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Well, look, I will let you get on because I know you've, you've got a busy day of phone calls lined up. Um, have a great weekend when you get there. Thank you. I'm off to have a bottle of red wine. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, stay safe and uh, we'll talk soon, hope, hopefully. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.